It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good evening. Welcome to Elvis Targeted Individual Community Call. It's Tuesday, December 8th, 2015. So, as we know about the San Bernardino shooting, there appears to be the husband and wife team, and the term, the keywords that are going out, it's called radicalized. Radicalized into extremism. Now, I've been utilizing that term for quite a number of years as a targeted victim of a state corporate and academia-sponsored sanctioned and covered up group of civilians, a nationwide network of civilian sleeper cells is what I call them, who have been recruited and radicalized into extremism, whereby they are willing to commit indiscriminate acts of violence against a solo targeted individual or sometimes targeted families. So if you go to my website, which was published years ago, I have number three. It's called First Degree Provocation by Violent Radicalized Extremist. So that's number three. First Degree Provocation by Violent Radicalized Extremist. by terrorist team or teams and their violent, radicalized extremist terrorist civilian recruits. What is violent extremism? Violent extremism describes the belief and actions of people who support or use violence to achieve ideological, religious, and or political goals. This includes terrorism, other forms of politically motivated violence, and some forms of communal violence. So communal would be neighborhood community. All forms of violent extremism, no matter what their motivation, seek change through fear and intimidation rather than constructive democratic processes. What is provocation? Conduct by which one induces another to do a particular deed, the act of inducing rage, anger, or resentment in another person that may cause that person to engage in an illegal act says, if you are a targeted individual, everything that has been conducted by these state and corporate-sponsored terrorist organizations, be it psychological manipulation in terror, intimidation, harassment, and torture, is done for the purpose of provoking you to react, generally negatively. These are generally psychological terrorist tactics and techniques deployed and executed in a professional manner in order to cause the target to respond negatively to the insidious violence being inflicted upon and against their human lives. Upon premeditatedly eliciting these negative responses, these terrorists will exploit any and all negative responses in order to further victimize the target by making them look bad. What is always left out of what you are view you, what the viewing audience will see are all the tactics and techniques that are planned, deployed, and executed against the target. 
the more negative the response coming out of the target, the more these terrorists will exploit. The more terrorized a target is and attempts to explain, the more frazzled they sound to the person they are attempting to explain their harassment to. The point being, the more terrorist activities being deployed and executed against the targeted individual, the more the target is required to survive the insidious violence. In particular, psychological torture being afflicted against the target. <clears throat> I call you guys terror. I call the perpetrator community domestic terrorists, and I'm not changing that opinion. I'll never change that opinion. They are domestic terrorists who have been radicalized into extremism. I don't give a shit if your state, corporate, and/or academia-sponsored, sanctioned, and/or covered up. You're still domestic terrorist to me. And that opinion will never, ever change. <clears throat> the civilian recruits seek whatever excuses they can in order to inflict additional acts of terror, violence, theft, destruction to private property, physical and or psychological torture and terror upon and against the targeted individual. Therefore, whenever the target does... Whatever the target does, good, bad, indifferent, in particular, when the target loses their fear and fights back with words, these terrorist civilian recruits will seek whatever means they can to provoke the target into responding negatively and then turn around after the fact and will claim that the target is to blame for the violent retaliation these terrorists have inflicted. What this shows is some type of double standard hypocrisy whereby for some time, Sometimes, no reason at all, these civilian recruits will provoke the target in a premeditated manner. If the target responds, these terrorist recruits attempt to use the, it as their excuse to inflict more violence against the human life of the target. These terrorist civilian recruits, delude, recruits deluded rationalization is generally because the target provoked or deserved it. The reality, at no time do these Civilian recruits, which we call perps, take responsibility for their acts and actions. That is what makes them literally delusional. So this has to do with violent extremism, and I have it all over my website. Radicalized into committing acts of indiscriminate violence. What happened in San Bernardino was radicalization where they were willing to commit indiscriminate acts of violence against unarmed, at that point, defenseless human beings. The difference is they use kinetic force as opposed to non-kinetic force. Kinetic force is a bullet, a missile, a bomb, a police baton, a bat a blunt object, and the impact to the human. That's kinetic force. What they do to targeted individuals is called non-kinetic force, non-lethal or less lethal, where it doesn't kill the individual outright, but it's still an act of violence, stalking, vandalism, theft, torture, 
non-consensual human experimentation, the infliction of pain, the destruction of a, someone's character and credibility so they lose their finances. Those are all acts of violence because they're done with premeditation, with malicious intent to destroy. <clears throat> There's a difference between fast kill and slow kill or kinetic force and non-kinetic force. But at the end of the day, it's still a group of people who make a decision to inflict it on unarmed, defenseless human beings. And in the vast majority of cases, it's usually because they were radicalized. The question is, who radicalized them? Well, they're claiming that the San Bernardino shooting was done through this Islamic State. But myself, as a targeted victim in the United States of America and the thousands of other victims who have come forward to all proper authorities at the local, state, and federal level, non-government organizations, lawyer after lawyer and law firm after law firm, and, been, and have been denied equal protection and equal justice against those individuals who are committing acts of terrorism, domestic terrorism. Violence is violence. See, the, the, the misperception and the delusion of the perpetrator community is, since we didn't kill the target outright, then that's not terrorism. But that's not true. Inculcating fear and intimidation, violence, destruction to person and or property, character and credibility assassination, destruction of somebody's career, their finances for survival. Those are all acts of violence because they're done premeditated malicious intent. Those are all acts of violence. So you have to understand that there's kinetic force and non-kinetic force. Kinetic force is instantaneous. It's a blunt force trauma to the human biology of an unarmed, defenseless human being. What they do to targets is called non-lethal or less lethal, whether it's through their electronic equipment, to stalking, to vandalism, to theft, is character and credibility assassination through directed energy, Biological targeting, biological, technological targeting, neurological targeting, weaponized neuroscience and neurotechnologies to inflict pain. That's all violence. The moment any of those weapons penetrate my human biology, that's raping me. Because I'm not giving permission for it to be done. And the 
perpetrator civilian community, the recruits in your communities, they're committing indiscriminate acts of violence against you, the targeted victim, the unarmed, defenseless human being. It's all violence. There are no, well, the target didn't die, so therefore it's okay. That's a crock of motherfucking shit. And that's where the delusional mentality comes in. Not from the PIs, but from the perpetrator community, the civilian sleeper cells, the state, corporate, and academia-sponsored, sanctioned, and covered-up recruits who've been radicalized based on propagandized negative false light narratives about the targeted individual to the point where they view the target in a dehumanized manner. Therefore, they don't care what they do or what they inflict on that unarmed, defenseless human being. You know who feels like that? Psychopaths, serial killers, and terrorists. Yet at no time will you see these civilians who think they're holier than thou, these pillars of freaking communities who give the authorization, these pastors, these people who have a member base will sit there and promote violence and then proclaiming that they're doing it for the greater good, for a just cause, to advance science and technology. You know who used to say things like that? Hitler and Dr. Joseph Mengele and his medical professionals to advance science and technology, to help the soldiers because it's for the greater good. It's a just cause. And you start slaughtering people because you're under that delusional belief that it's okay when it's not. It's amazing how many people are outraged about what happened in San Bernardino. Because, see, that's kinetic force. That's instantaneous. You see the blood. That's the slaughter. Yet you don't see these same people looking at what they're actively participating in and or keeping silent about when it comes to a target. They like watching the slow kill, the slow destruction of somebody else's human living life, but they're outraged. when something like San Bernardino happens. And then they turn around and go electrocute the target who didn't do shit to them. You know, sort of like those people at the facility in San Bernardino who didn't do shit to the two people who opened fire on them. Yet everyone, I guarantee, from within this hypocritical perpetrator community thinks that that's outrageous. That's horrible. 
And then they turn around and torture the shit out of a target. And they never pick up a motherfucking mirror and look at their own goddamn fucking hypocritical reflections. So my website talks about radicalized extremists because that's what I've been dealing with since I've been targeted. I don't give a shit what propagandized narratives they hide behind, what freaking excuses they think they're utilizing to justify what simply cannot be justified. And so I talked about it. Now all of a sudden that's the buzzword, radicalized into extremism. Really. I've been using that word for years because I'm dealing with the domestic terrorist cult, state corporate and academia sponsored, sanctioned, and covered up. So now let's talk about this radicalized extremist and extremism. Because the United States Department of Defense, under the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, there's something called FedBizGov. And what that is is when some department from within the government decides to solicit, they will fund people, universities, research groups, corporations, etc., So you write a grant, and they give you money. Well, in that case, it was called Narrative Networks. And it's all linked. I linked it on my page, and I linked it inside the chat. And this was DARPA BAA12-03. And the synopsis was DARPA, or the Defense Advanced Research Project 8. And let me give you the date on here. October 7, 2011. 11. Okay? DARPA is soliciting innovative research proposals in the areas of one quantitative analysis of narratives. So what are narratives? Narratives are stories, gossip. The target is a pedophile. The target is a criminal, a drug addict, a mental case, etc. Okay, that's the narrative. Two, understanding the effects narratives have on human psychology and its affiliated neurobiology. And three, modeling, simulating, and sensing, sensing, especially in standoff modalities, these narrative influences. Proposers to the efforts will be expected to revolutionize the study of narratives and narrative influence by advancing narrative analysis and neuroscience so as to create new narrative influence sensors, doubling status quo capacity to forecast narrative influence. So you can find it online because usually when the government is proposing something, they're trolling people to say, hey, we'll give you X millions of dollars. This is what we want you to do. Propose it to us, and we might fund you. And actually, I've 
I, I recorded a show back in January of 2013, and I've recorded a couple other shows because I think I got the uh, uh, Arizona State and the proposal they sent to the government in order to obtain funds. State corporate and academia. So let me just give you a slight overview of what 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 it is and why it's important that you understand what I'm talking about when it comes to radicalizing into extremism. <clears throat> so it's Broad Agency Announcement Narrative Networks, DSO, DARPA, D-A-R-P-A-B, as in ball, A as in apple, A as in apple, dash 12-03, October 7, 2011. So it tells you about the funding opportunity. So I'm going to go into these technical areas, Okay. Technical area one, narrative analysis. Ascertaining exactly what function stories enact and by what mechanisms they do so. It is is a necessity to effectively analyze the security phenomenon shaped by stories. To do this in a scientifically respectable manner requires a working theory of narratives and understanding of what role narratives play in security context and examination of how to best analyze stories so as to decompose them and their psychological impact systematically. The primary goal of Technical Area 1 is to revolutionize the state of the art in narrative analysis by focusing on the innovative application of tools not traditionally used in that domain. This goal serves to ascertain who is telling stories to whom and for what purpose and to discover latent indicators of the spread and influence of narrative tropes in structures such as social networking, traditional and social media, and in conversation. Technical Area 1 provides a critical framework necessary for progress in Technical Areas 2 and 3. Number 1, Technical Area 1, Sub-Goal 1 develop new and expand existing narrative theories, identify the nature of stories, including, but not limited to, a list of necessary and sufficient conditions to help distinguish narrative stimuli from other stimuli, identify and explore the kinematic and dynamics of story ontology, identify and explore the structure and function of narratives, including identifying and discussing aspects of narratives that are universal versus aspects that vary considerably across culture and social context. Number two, technical area one, sub-goal two, identify and understand the role of narratives in security context. Determine the role and extent stories play in influencing political violence. Identify and explore the function narratives serve in the process of political radicalization and how they can influence a person or group's choice of means, such as indiscriminate violence, to achieve political ends. Identify and explore how narratives influence bystanders to conflict in terms of shaping their attitudes and perceptions. Identify and explore how narratives shape the process of negotiation, especially between key stakeholders. Identify and explore the relationship between narratives and the mechanisms that generate and reinforce psychiatric and clinical conditions. Develop methodologies that enable assessment of the impact of narratives on attitudes and perceptions. So, someone gives you a story. 
a handler, a leader of a group, about somebody. Everybody starts jumping on board. And then they start committing indiscriminate acts of violence. They don't care about the human life and or humanity of the target. That's radicalization. Stalking someone because a whole group of people believe it's okay to do it. Then you've been radicalized. Vandalizing someone's property. Utilizing a directed energy weapon. Using weaponized neuroscience and neurotechnologies to deliberately impair, incapacitate somebody else's cognitive motor, central nervous system, and or behavioral functions, provoking people, exploiting people, invading their privacy, and exploiting that information. And then not caring. Those are all forms of violence. Yes, they're non-kinetic forms of violence, but they're still, it's still violence. It's just like the difference between ionizing radiation and non-ionizing radiation. You can look at it the same way. Ionizing radiation would be more like kinetic force. Non-ionizing radiation is a little slower means. But what, are the, what is the key word between the two? Radiation. So either you get fast kill through massive exposure through radiation or non-ionizing radiation where it's still a form of radiation, it's just not as potent. It's the same thing. Kinetic force, non-kinetic force. Fast kill, slow kill. What, are you, what am I talking about radiation? Well, because the vast majority of what's happening to targets has to do with the domination of the electromagnetic spectrum and the harnessing of various frequencies, radio frequencies, electromagnetics, microwave. But most of these things are in what's called the non-ionizing radiation. The, the cell phone, the wireless signal, those radio frequencies, non-ionizing radiation. An MRI machine, non-ionizing radiation. The AM-FM radio. The cell phone. Those are all radio frequencies, electromagnetics. They run at different frequencies, but they're considered non-ionizing. Then you start moving up to things like ultraviolet, microwave. Microwave oven, still considered non-ionizing, but it's a little further up towards the ionizing radiation. What's ionizing radiation? When you go to the dentist and they put the lead bib on you, especially around the throat, those are more potent forms of radiation. So x-ray machines. <laughs> then you start moving up the spectrum, you know, to nuclear bombs, nuclear power plants. Okay, those are all ionizing forms of radiation. Much more potent, much more deadly. Sort of like kinetic force. 
non-ionizing radiation, you're still being exposed. But it takes a little bit longer. That's slow kill. Non-kinetic force. Less lethal. But ultimately, can be lethal. So what is this talking about? So the government has decided that they want to mindfuck people. They want to see how they can influence people to do what they want them to do. And they're going to pay universities, research facilities, psychiatrists, sociologists, anthropologists, all these kind of people. They're all jockeying for the money. How do you manipulate people to the point where you can radicalize them so that they'd be willing to commit indiscriminate acts of violence against somebody else. That's what radicalizing means. We hate the target. So therefore, it doesn't matter. What did I say? To get these people, to manipulate these people to the point where they'd be willing to how did I put it? Um, let me see. Let me get my website <clears throat> because I think I nailed it when I said this. And this was on my one-stop shop. I think it's on number one, my theory on gang stalking, organized stalking. So when you, after the goal life happened, it says basically... Um, by shaping the narrative. So here's the narrative. So you remember, I'm already published before even the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency decided to go solicit people to basically, they almost, almost when you're reading it, it almost sounds like what I already published. So this goal live, by shaping the narrative to their advantage via targeted individual and target audience's profile. Who's the target audience? The target audience is the group, the individual, the group, the organization, within the civilian population, or it could be a company, that they know to target because they can influence other people to go along with whatever they're being, that individual, group, organization, et cetera, is being manipulated to do. Okay? <clears throat> so actually, let me, let me go, let me just read this whole thing. So this is how it works, okay? This was my analysis as a targeted victim. And like I said, in 2010, I sent this to the Inspector General for the Department of Defense waste, fraud, and abuse about what the hell was going on on American soil. After I hit the send button, because I also sent it to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Diane Feinstein and Barbara Boxer, and I was demanding an investigation. This was in 2010. After I hit the send button, these two people who were monitoring what I was doing said she nailed us. She nailed us. So this is what I said. It says how it works. 
Choose a solo human target, a scapegoat, someone who is expendable, located in strategically selected communities, town cities scattered throughout the United States. Covertly profile every aspect of the target's personal and professional life. Use human intelligence to follow and stalk target to places they frequent, where they go, what they purchase, how often they purchase a particular item, what is the brand name, etc. Calculate their use of products purchased, basically extensively and illegally profile the targeted individual. Study likes and dislikes, political, religious, and other affiliations. With the privacy of home, without warrant, use cyber and telecommunication capabilities to hack into or listen to private conversations, read emails, websites frequented, online purchases, and or online finances. Now, you have to understand, I published this in 2010, or I sent it out to the Department of Defense. This is even before the Snowden leaks. Seek out any and all weaknesses or negative aspects of the target so they can be exploited, expounded upon, and exaggerated in the most negative false light for future psychological operations. Covertly interview those closest to the target from personal, professional, to organizational affiliations and find out who the target is from their perspective. Take that information to be reverse engineered for future deployment in psychologically manipulating the target and the target audience, also known as a civilian population. The goal to find out every aspect of the solo target so that these state and corporate domestic terrorists can take the good and make it bad and take the bad and make it worse. Select a target audience, be it psychological operation teams or teams, upon and against the civilians of that denied access area or location, a vast landscape of diversity, socioeconomics, political, religious, ethnically diverse, to homogenous cities, rural towns, big and small. Seek out religious, political, community leaders, and those individuals who can influence their member base. In addition to seeking all weaknesses, intolerances, and fears of these people, in particular, youth and women. Once the target audiences have been profiled and analysis have been completed, go live by shaping the narrative to their advantage via targeted individual and target audiences profiles using false flag operations, covert operations which are designed to deceive the public in such a way that the operations appear as though they are being carried out by other entities and against the solo human target. With an aggressive smear, fear, hate, retaliation, and revenge campaign via character and credibility assassination of the target using propaganda, negative false light, whatever it takes to prey upon the citizens to turn them against the solo human target becomes another goal. In addition to having sufficiently manipulated the public so that they will act upon and against the target via community-based bullying and harassment, without question, without reservation, without remorse, and most of all, without regard to the target's humanity and or human life. So what does that mean? You've been manipulated by handlers, by a story, by a rumor, by, being, by exploiting another human being. Then they start feeding that to you until you get to the point as a perpetrator where you don't give a shit what happens to me, the target. When that moment turns, that's when you've become radicalized. When you laugh, when you do something 
to an unarmed, defenseless human being, then you no longer see the humanity of someone else. And you are willing to flatten their tire, push a button to electrocute them, stalk them in public places, slow down when they're driving, try to run them off the road while they're driving, pull out in front of them, do all these little tactics. Okay, when you do those tactics, you have been radicalized, period. That's what radicalized means. When you stop caring about whether I live or die, then you're no different than those two who opened fire and killed 14 people. So the FBI is going around now utilizing the key term radicalized into extremism. Well, honey, I've already been published because I'm talking about your recruits, your civilian snitches, your sleeper cells that you activate whenever some new target moves into the neighborhood. without question, without reservation, without remorse, and most of all, without regard to the target's humanity and their human life. And every fucking perp that's out there who doesn't give a shit and keeps doing it has become radicalized. Because what I wrote there is exactly what those two people appeared to have done when they opened fire. It didn't matter. Those people's lives did not matter. Yet this same perpetrator community who thinks that they're doing something for a noble fucking cause doesn't even realize that their handlers radicalized them to that point. One-stop shop places every aspect of the targeted individual's human life to include living situation into a laboratory and breeding ground setting for recruitment, training, and deployment of operations to include inviting experts from science, technology, academia, corporate, and medical to see how their real-time human guinea pig is doing, then do an analysis in order to advance their experimental agendas. This includes extensive training in military and other agencies' expertise in the field of information operations, and their five core capabilities in concert with specified supporting and related capabilities, psychological operations, military deception, operation security, computer network operations, and electronic warfare. And now they include cyber warfare. And once again, I started talking about InfoOps back in 2010, sent it out to the Department of Defense demanding an investigation under the waste, fraud, and abuse And Snowden leaked. In February 2014, Glenn Greenwald started publishing everything about information operations and how all these agencies, in particular the five eyes, are utilizing these tactics. Who are the five eyes? United States, Canada, England, Australia, and New Zealand. Why did they call them the five eyes? Because they all speak basically English.
all in strategic locations spread throughout the United States for real-time, real-world application, from setting up biometric surveillance to psychological operations via shaping a negative narrative and false flag in order to win over the hearts, minds, and emotions of the general public to their side and against their set-up solo target to using these civilian recruits under fraudulent pretenses for community policing, harassment, bullying, stalking, mobbing, vandalism, theft, to testing out and illegally experimenting with cutting-edge military-grade biological, technological weapons and technologies, and having one-stop locations where they can invite developers of new cutting-edge surveillance, cyber, and telecommunication capabilities for electronic warfare to biometric, facial, emotion, optical recognition, neurotechnologies, biometric surveillance devices, directed energy, non-lethal, non-kinetic weapons, and other weaponized technologies in order to experiment with, to calibrate power, to programming software, to be able to visualize in real-world, real-time the biological, neurological, and or psychological effects and apex the solo human target is having. Not to mention monitor the speed with, with which these assassins can deploy and execute the operations, how fast they can manipulate the public, and how quickly they can ultimately drive the perceived target slash adversary of their hate out of these communities, thus allowing them to follow the target and set up shop in yet another denied access location. So, this is my website. This is already published. This is why it's all going to court. And this is why I'm not stopping until the people who place my name on that list are sitting on death row. Because we're talking about, that's the form of radicalization. You have these narrative network teams InfoOps was a classified document in 2003. The premise of it had to do with instead of having large military troops, you would break them down into what's called asymmetrical or unconventional warfare teams that had special capabilities in those five cores that I just talked about. So then you don't need 200,000 troops. You just need a pocket of maybe 50, 100, 200 that are all specially trained in one or more of these type of capabilities. You drop ship them all around the globe. But what they didn't have, they did not have enough trained servicemen, private contractors, etc., who specialized in those five core military capabilities. Now, how are you going to train them overseas when the vast majority of your people don't speak those languages? And you don't know the culture. But guess what we have here in the United States of America? A vast landscape of ethnicity and socioeconomics, homogenous to multicultural, rich and poor. What better training ground did you have than on American soil? And you utilized these tactics against your own fucking people. You better believe this is treason.
So now you have trained people. You can recruit people. See, when I moved to L.A., as big ass as Los Angeles and Los Angeles County is with, what, or 3.7 million people in the city itself and, what, 12 or more million in the county of Los Angeles. And the only place that was going to call me back for a place to live was in K-Town? Why? Well, because when you have people who are first-generation Koreans and you've got North Korea out there, a bunch of white people going into Korea is going to stand out like a sore freaking thumb. But if you can recruit young people in K-Town, which is one of the largest areas of South Koreans in the nation, well, now you have a vast landscape. Not only that, but how many police officers in the Los Angeles Police Department speak Korean? So they're going to strategically put you where they want you to go. Because then they can deploy their operations and recruit the real personnel that they need. That's why the vast majority of perpetrators are college age, high school, down to middle school. Because they become the possible next generation of operatives or spies or assassins. But see, when you're in K-Town, you don't have to know about the culture because the people you're recruiting already know the culture. And if you need them to go overseas, they blend right in. So three-quarters of the job is done. All you need to do is teach them five core capabilities. I already know why I was put in K-Town. And now what you also have is you have your community snitches for the LAPD that can spy on the neighborhood. But see, in order to get these people to do it, you ultimately radicalize them into extremism where one, they think they're above the law, two, they're willing to commit indiscriminate acts of violence, and three, they're completely indoctrinated. They have to use mechanical means and sleep deprivation and torture and terror to get me to comply and triggers. And even then it doesn't last. But you're indoctrinated? They could call them up at any given time and they'll snap into action. They don't even know the target. They don't even care so long as their handlers tell them that if it's okay or if that's what, who the next person is, then they do it. I guarantee the vast majority of civilian perpetrators in Los Angeles had no idea that they were targeting Michael Hastings. They were just given another name another address, another vehicle, another description. And whatever their handler said this person was, they believed it.
Mercedes don't blow up. Mercedes engines don't fly out of vehicles. Taking command and control over an electronic vehicle, the military has been able to do for quite some time. He was murdered. Period. But before he went, he said he was going off the grid because he was being completely harassed by the FBI. See, the Federal Bureau of Investigation and these other agencies have plausible deniability. The military. Because, you see, they use their civilian population, their network of stalkers, to do the dirty work for them. That way, when someone like him dies and they demand to know if the Federal Bureau of Investigation is doing an investigation, they could claim that they actually weren't. Maybe they were in a classified way. But the actual boots on the ground were not Federal Bureau of Investigation. They just activate their sleeper cells to do it for them. Then they have plausible deniability that they were involved in what ultimately became the murder of Michael Hastings. And LAPD is lying out their ass. It was not because he was speeding and he crashed himself into a tree. It was because they took command and control over his elect- the electrical vehicle, the electronics in the vehicle, because it's mainly computerized. And when Mercedes tells you that their fucking engines don't fly out of vehicles when it, upon impact and that they do not explode the way that Mercedes exploded, They're telling the truth. So that's radicalized. Going after someone just because someone gave you another name on the list. Don't even ask any questions. No critical thinking skills. If this person says they're bad, then they must be bad. Therefore, you don't do any thinking of your own. That's your perpetrator community in a nutshell. Hitler called them, uh, he, he had contempt for his people that ended up slaughtering in the millions for him. The masses are utterly contemptible, is what he said. And what he called it was herd poisoning. where you get these bewildered people who come together, they all flock together, and as long as the speaker is dynamic enough, they'll sit there and they'll feed into the poison. He was, the best, he was one of the best orators of propaganda ever to live. And the skill that I'm talking about in the narrative networks is about that very thing. Mastering manipulation through narratives or propagandized stories. So you can get anybody to turn against anyone. And what better landscape for experimenting, social experiments, cultural hegemony than on American soil? A vast landscape in the most literal sense of the word. Religious, ethnicity, you know, religious backgrounds, ethnicities, 
social economics, small towns, big cities, rural, etc. Shit, just on this peninsula where I live, all these little pockets, totally different. Now you have an operational guidebook. Okay, uh, let's thumb through the book. Let me see. We're in this location where we have, you know, it's pretty multicultural. The religious, uh, the main religion is Christianity or, you know, baptism or whatever. They just pull out the guidebook. Okay, this is how you work to manipulate these people to get them to do what you want them to do. That's what's going on. Oh, that's just conspiracy, my website before, until the Snowden lease came out. Then point for point. Just nailed it. Nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. Now they're talking radicalized extremism. Well, shit, let me go back to my website, because I published something about that, too. So I'm not going to read the whole thing on the narrative networks. You can, I've, uh, on January 20th, I recorded the show. I read the whole thing. I put the link in there. You can read all the subcategories. So basically, subcategory, so technical area one is to talk about the whole concept of utilizing, get your spy operator teams, your narrative network teams, your propagandized teams, okay? Have them filter out through society. Utilize various forms of narratives and see if you could get them to turn against whoever you want them to turn against by manipulating them, by preying upon their egos, their narcissism, their borderline and full-blown psychopathologies. Use money. You know, that whole concept of how to get an asset through smite, sex, money, ideology, coercion, or ego. Manipulate these people. Influence their behavior. Get them to the point where they will strike out against the target without question, without reservation, without remorse, and most of all, without regard to the human life and or humanity of that targeted victim. Now, once you get to that point, you have been radicalized. And like I said, just because I don't get killed right off, through kinetic force. Everything that's being done is still violence to destroy your reputation, your credibility, your finances, your relationships. That's all destroying someone. It's just a slower way of doing it. You know, kinetic force, non-kinetic force. Ionizing radiation, non-ionizing radiation. What are the key words? Force, kinetic force, non-kinetic force. Ionizing radiation, non-ionizing radiation. What's the key word? Radiation. You're still getting exposed. Ionizing is far more aggressive, more lethal. Sort of like kinetic force, a bullet a baton, a missile, a bomb, 
Those are all kinetic forms. Non-kinetic, directed energy weapons, a taser. Using flashlight, you know, the flashbang grenades where it hits the eyes and the acoustics for the ears, concussion grenades, rubber bullets. Although that's a little bit more kinetic because you're still getting a force of impact, but it doesn't kill you outright. Those are all considered less lethal or non-kinetic. So that was DARPA BAA 1202. So now I told, told you about here, the government is soliciting on how to perfect the technique of propaganda. But not only that, in subcategory two, then they study the psychology and the neurobiology of what happens the psychological, the sociological, the anthropological aspects of having radicalized Jane and Joe, you know, average, everyday American, nonviolent for the most part. Give them a story, now they become, now you see the rise in their attitude, the change in their attitude, their behavior. That's studying that. Then the third technical area is to build sensor systems, biometric sensor systems, so that it's optical to brain, emotion to brain, vocal to brain. What's going on in their brains, you know, once they become radicalized? What does that look in their brains when they feel no remorse while they're torturing an unarmed, defenseless human being? What is the neurobiological aspects? What synapses in their brains are firing when they sit there in their groupthink and plot to do something bad to the target? This is what your government's doing. Paying people to do experiments, social experiments, to see where it leads. But see, they were already doing it under black ops. That's why I was able to describe it almost to a T and publish it before DARPA comes out with their solicitation. So now let's flash forward to September 2015 because Obama signed an executive order using behavioral science insights to better serve the American people. So you see how they rebrand it. Behavioral science insights to better serve the American people. So when you look at this executive order, I don't know what the number is over here. You can get it on the website. It's not, uh, was September 15th uh, from the White House. It's on the whitehouse.gov executive order using behavioral insights to better serve the American people. 
It says, a growing body of evidence demonstrates that behavioral science insights, research, findings from fields such as behavioral economics and psychology about how people make decisions and act on them can be used to design government policies to better serve the American people. So you see, they take it and they spin it to make it seem like, hey, we're going to serve you. We're serving you when we do this. But what that really is is how do we best manipulate people to do what we want them to do? And an exec- and what this executive order was partially doing was trying to get these fucking cunts a get-out-of-jail-free. Because part of it is that you can experiment on society. So they cited an example, okay? They used psychologists, sociologists, and there were, you know, this Obamacare. And what they did was there were five form letters or something like that. I don't know how many, but I remember reading it. But it's pretty close. And so they, they worded each one of these form letters different, okay? Then they sent it out in the millions across America. Then what they did was they counted statistically which one of the letters caused people to sign up for Obamacare based on the wording of the form letter. Then they, decide, then they found out that this one particular form letter got the, vast, uh, you know, the highest number of people to sign up for Obamacare based on how it was worded in order to manipulate the individual to sign up for Obamacare. Now, I'm not saying Obamacare is bad, because personally, I believe we should have Medicare for all. Which means everybody gets insurance, period. But the point of what I'm trying to say is that, so you're utilizing, you're corrupting linguistics in order to figure out how to best manipulate people, because that's what it really boils down to. Now, when the executive order comes out, it, of course, has to tell you that using these behavioral insight teams, these narrative network teams, right, the propaganda, the story, okay, they're going to do it because they're going to better serve the American people. So when you, when you read it, I mean, it's not that long, but it basically says identify policies, programs, and operations where applying behavioral science insights may yield substantial improvements in public welfare, program outcomes, and program cost effectiveness. Develop strategies for applying behavioral science insights to programs and, where possible, rigorously test and evaluate the impact of these insights. Recruit behavioral science experts to join the federal government as necessary to achieve the goals of this directive and strengthen agency, uh, and number four, strengthen agencies' relationship with the research community to better use empirical findings from the behavioral sciences. Okay? This is an executive order that was signed by the commander-in-chief. September, it was posted September 15, 2015. I don't know what the number is on this one, though. Usually, oh, here, let me see. 
Executive order, okay, where it says, for policies with the regulatory component, agencies are encouraged to combine this behavioral science inside policy directive with their ongoing review of existing significant regulations to identify and reduce regulatory burdens and appropriate, as appropriate and consistent with executive order 13563 of January 1, 8, 2011. Improving regulations, blah, blah, the executive order 13610 of May 2012 identifies and reducing regulatories. But this one should have an actual number to it. Usually it says executive order number, blah, blah, blah. I'll figure out what that executive order is. But you can go to the whitehouse.gov, and it's called executive order, using behavioral science insights to better serve the American people. Okay? So this takes it to another level now, where you're recruiting people. You know, it's kind of like PR, you know, public relations. You know, advertisers, they're really good at bullshit to get you to buy the product. You know, Madison Avenue, Wall Street. You know, how do you get people to do what you want them to do? Now they're getting it down to a science of manipulation. That's what it's boiling down to. It's manipulating people. Well, that's what radicalizing is. When you start manipulating people to believe that it's okay to do things, to harm people, you've been radicalized. When that crazy guy goes into the abortion clinic, he's been radicalized under a religious belief. The perpetrator community has been radicalized, but they don't have anyone to blame but themselves because they had a choice in all of this. Targets didn't. We're not allowed to walk away. How many times have I moved? <coughs> Should I left the fucking country? But see, they were radicalizing people in Italy and Western Europe. Because we got perps all over, the, all over the globe now. In Italy, they called it mobbing. In the United States, we call it organized or gang stalking. But the, it's not the gangs in terms of you know, the ones that you, you normally identify with MS-13, the Crips, the Bloods, the Serenos, or whatever. It's not like that. These are community members who've been radicalized. People who go to church on Sunday who swear by God and then turn around and target. You could be liberal. You could be, you know, <clears throat> conservative. You could be spiritual. You could be whatever. They have recruited everyone across the board. But it's that mob mentality and it's that radicalization. So when I see the news talking about the two shooters in San Bernardino who used kinetic force, but they were radicalized. Well, you can go back to my website. Because I talk all, I speak all about the state, corporate, and academia-sponsored, sanctioned, and covered-up civilian sleeper cells that they've radicalized. And haven't done a mumbling thing to put a stop to them. But you see, we have dead targets. That's murder in the first degree. And thank goodness there's no statute of limitation 
on murder. Because that is what the architects are going to be charged with eventually. So now I want to talk about, um, well, uh, like I said, January 20th, I had a show. I did a show on TalkShoe, and it talked about the narrative networks, but I have the links, and I gave you the names of the articles. It's all, I don't talk out of some blog. I source my material. I do my research, and then I do my analysis. I know what the fuck I'm talking about. So I want to talk about a couple other things, too, because with this attack that transpired on American soil, with what's quote-unquote being considered this Islamic State, and the utilization of the term terrorism on American soil, not unlike what happened in Boston, that means that the fight for terrorism is global and that the battlefield is wherever they lay ground. So in this case, California, Southern California. So I want to talk a little bit about how it all works itself out, how the roadmap, this information operation roadmap is pretty much complete. Um, We have what's called in in, in the North, you know, North America, something called Northern Command. And so United States Northern Command, or U.S. NORTHCOM, was established in October 1, 2002, to provide command and control of Department of Defense homeland, homeland, which is here, defense efforts, and to coordinate defense support of civil authorities. U.S. NORTHCOM defends American, America's homeland, protecting our people, national power, and freedom of action. So then it goes on to what kind of missions, right? So they do Mexico. They do Can- so North, the North America is Canada, Mexico, and the United States. But ultimately, NORTHCOM, U.S. NORTHCOM, is the homeland, America. So why, what the fuck does this mean? And why the hell am I bringing it up? Because Special Operations Command, which filters out of all these other commands, you know, like Asian, Asia or whatever. I don't know what these commands are, but they have all these commanding, you know, command and control centers all over, right? Asia, Africa, the continent of Africa, <clears throat> Europe, you know, the European side, Latin America, you know, way down there and everything. So they have these different names for commands. So U.S. NORTHCOM is the United States homeland. But what's never really been happening, or with all those other places, you have what's called Special Operations Command, Joint Special Operations Command. So these are these joint elite military that uh, go out to all of Asia, Africa, the continent of Africa, Latin America, etc. So they always have special ops. Well, in NORTHCOM, you didn't really need it. But they've been gearing up. So let me read you something about SOC North, okay? So U.S. NORTHCOM units, U.S. Special Operation Command North. So this is SOC North, right? U.S. Special Operation, SOC, Special Operation Command North, which is Northern Command. 
U.S. Special Operations Command, North, is a provision, provisional command, also known as SOC North. This new command was approved in December 2012 as a subordinate unified command under United States NORTHCOM. SOC North is scheduled to achieve initial operational capabilities in 2014 and will enhance command and control of special operation forces throughout Northern Command areas of responsibility. SOC North will also improve supporting to support to interagency counterterrorism operations. So what I'm saying is that they already knew that all this was might come home to roost by sucking with people over in the Middle East. At some point, these people's propensity to consume would reach a saturation point, and it just would come back to the homeland. So they've been gearing up because Sock North actually was activated in 2013, and then or 2000, yeah, 2013, and then they had a special ceremony, I think, in 2014. So we have Special Operations Command for Northern Command, which is the homeland. They've been ready to go, and I've been waiting for these motherfuckers to come over here and neutralize their goddamn civilian network that they radicalized. Because if you're going to fight terrorism from Boston to California to the Fatah and the United States soil becomes the battleground for terrorism, then where the fuck is special ops neutralizing their own goddamn radicalized civilian extremists that have been doing this shit to targets? Now, military is not supposed to be on American soil because that's in violation of Posse Comitatus. But when you have them saying, well, you know, this was terror now, so therefore we can, get, we can deploy special ops on American soil. Well, wait a second over here. Isn't that supposed to be what law enforcement and federal bureau investigation is supposed to do? Oh, hell no. Now we're fighting terror. That means military can get involved. So they've been waiting for this. And then they got their event. Now the question is, what is Sock North going to be doing? What are special forces doing on American soil? Now we know they're out there, you know, in Afghanistan and Syria and Africa and Southeast Asia and all these other areas. We know that they, they're in Russia and all over. These little pockets of asymmetrical warfare teams. Now that they've been activated, what are they supposed to do on American soil? Well, special ops usually hunts and kills. That's why I've been waiting. Well, shit, you guys were activated in 2013. You best get your ass over here on American soil and neutralize these civilians that you guys radicalized to begin with. You better reel in these crazy-ass fucking civilians that have gone berserk and are targeting their own neighbors. So why am I telling you about this? Well, because I've already covered shows on this one, but now it's important because something's going on. They was re- they're ready for it. And it takes a special kind of soldier to do special operations on American soil 
Because I guarantee you, they said, can you kill an American citizen? See, it's different when you're in Africa or using the Middle East. But when you get activated for Northern Command, you got to be a special kind of psychopath. Because you know they told them, if Bush comes to shove, you're going to be willing to kill Americans? So that's food for thought. Because I've been following the special operations. And when they activated them for Northern Command, I kept on saying, my, my whole thing is, okay, we got domestic terrorists over here. I'm a target, and we got domestic terrorists. And somebody's radicalizing these, this civilian population into believing that they're above the freaking law. Well, I already know the military's been involved. Well, now they got to reel in their crazy-ass freaking domestic terrorists. Just remember, murder has no statute of limitation. And we have perpetrators who've killed targets. And those targets came forward to all proper authorities at the local, state, and federal level, non-government organization, lawyer after lawyer and law firm after law firm, and everybody slammed the door shut. In a target space. So think about that one. What kind of soldier does it take to be activated for Northern Command? And although they claim that they go to Mexico and train the police and all this, you know, and all this other stuff, ultimately, it's about the homeland. And you got to be a certain kind of soldier. Because I guarantee before you were activated, they said, would you be willing to kill Americans? Because that's what you're going to have to do. And if they said, hell yeah, then you better be scared because they don't give a shit. But if you're going to fight terrorism, the first place you got to start is in your own backyard. Especially with the ones that you've done radicalized to begin with. See, at least, you know, you kind of understand to some extent, not that it's, it's justified that, you know, those two that, that shot, and it's not, I don't, I don't condone any of it. That's why I use my mouth as a weapon, and I can curse up a storm. But, you know, they feel that their people have been oppressed and bombed, and maybe their relatives died, etc. So I'm not saying that they have an excuse, but they sure have a lot more of an excuse than your neighbor's who target your ass, who don't have any excuse. And they've been radicalized, and they're committing indiscriminate acts of violence against the target. (coughs) And those are the ones that Sock North needs to be neutralizing. their own perpetrator community that they created. 
Okay, I'm going to end the recording with this one. I'm going to read this. Um, it's all food for thought. Oh, and here's the here's the. I have links so you can go back, and this is Special Operation Command uh, from Global Security, and it gives you a little bit more information about SOC North. Functionally, the establishment of SOC North was an administrative change and expansion of Northern Command, Command Special Operation Division, a staff division within the J3 Operations Dictorate of the Northern Command or NORTHCOM headquarters. The replacement of NORTHCOM's SOD with South SOC North place a component commander in charge of things already being done, blah, blah, blah. Then it goes down. As of August 2008, the Special Operations Division of 25 personnel, and then it says um, right here, in January 2013, it was announced that Northern Command would take look to expand its training operations with Mex Mexican security forces engaged in counter-narcotics and other operations. This training has grown out of the Merida Merida, M-E-R-I-D-A, initiative formalized in 2008 and the desire to expand the program was part of the decision to create the Theater Special Operations Command within Northern Command in December 2012. SOC North will also continue to be involved in other security uh, cooperation activities. So, yeah, hearts and minds, you know, that's why we have a complete chaos all over the globe because the special ops went in there and and there's a good article from uh, this is uh, this is what triggered a lot of it, or where I finally put all, a lot of the pieces together. Uh, Mark Mazzetti of the New York Times in 2010 wrote an article about Obama expanding the special operations. Uh, I think it was the Horn of Africa, Central Asia, and the Middle East, and um, it talked about the, this information operation, and it was really brief. And then it just from that point, man, I just I flew with it. And that's where I got a lot of the information. And then right after that, I published my website. Because I had already had a lot of the little pieces, but I didn't have a lot of the names. So I identified it back then. And then, thank goodness for the Snowden uh, leaks, because information operations came out from the GCHQ, which is the British equivalent, to the NSA, et cetera, and all these types of operations, psychological, Cointel Pro on steroids. And then some, because they have the technological means to also do things. You know, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Arthur C. Clarke. <clears throat> so, anyway, let me read this one article, and then I'll... Sh um, where is it? Sorry, you guys. I'm looking for the one. And I have all the... Oh, here. Okay. <clears throat> this is... Um, by John W. Whitehead, and this is kind of like um, well, it's not funny, but it is being it's being written in a more like sarcastic, you know, type of satire. Uh, it's on the blog, uh, w HuffingtonPost.com. John W. Whitehead, he's um, attorney president of the Rutherford Institute and author of Battlefield America. It's called The Surveillance State Is Alive and Well. Posted 12-7-2015. Uh, bottle up the champagne, pack away the noisemakers, and toss out the party hats. There is no cause for celebration. We have secured no major victories against tyranny. We have achieved no great feat in pushing back against government overreach. For all intents and purposes, 
the National Security Agency has supposedly seized its bulk collection of metadata from Americans' phone calls. But read the fine print. Nothing is going to change. The USA Freedom Act, which claimed to put an end to the National Security Agency's controversial collection of metadata from America's, Americans' phone calls, was a sham a slay-of-hand political gag pulled on a gullible public desperate to believe that we still live in a constitutional republic rather than a down-and-out, out-of-control, corporate-controlled, economically impoverished, corrupt-wearing, militarized banana republic. You cannot restrain the NSA. The beast has outgrown its chains. You cannot reform the NSA a government that lies, cheats, steals, sidesteps the law, and then absolves itself of wrongdoing, does not voluntarily alter its behavior. You cannot put an end to the NSA's techno-tyranny. Presidents, politicians, and court rulings have come and gone over the course of the NSA's 60-year history but none of them have managed to shut down the government secret surveillance of Americans' phone calls, emails, text messages, transactions, communications, and activities. Instead, the government has become an expert in finding ways to sidestep nigglings, inconvenient laws aimed at ensuring accountability, bringing about government transparency, and protecting citizens' privacy. It has mastered the art of stealth maneuvers and end runs around the Constitution. It knows all too well how to hide its nefarious, covert, clandestine activities behind the classified language of national security and terrorism. And when that doesn't suffice, it obfuscates, complicates, stymies, or just plain bamboozles the public into remaining in the dark. Case in point, the so-called end of the National Security Agency's metadata collection of Americans' phone calls. So if you want to know what metadata is, by the way, it's the to and from. When you call someone, they have the number, your number plus the number you called and how long you were on the call. Okay. <clears throat> this is, of course, this, of course, is no end at all. On any given day, the average American going about his daily business will still be monitored, surveilled, spied on, and tracked in more than 20 different ways by both government and corporate eyes and ears. More than a year before politicians attempted to patch up our mortally wounded privacy rights with the legislative band-aid fix that is the USA Freedom Act. Researchers at Harvard and Boston University documented secret loopholes that allow the government to bypass Fourth Amendment protections to conduct massive domestic surveillance on U.S. citizens. It's extraordinary rendition all over again. Only this time it's surveillance instead of torture being outsourced. In much the same way that the government moved its torture programs overseas in order to bypass legal prohibitions against doing so on American soil, it is doing the same thing 
for its surveillance program by shifting its data storage collection and surveillance activities outside of the country the government is able to bypass constitutional protections against unwarranted searches of americans emails documents social networking data and other cloud stored data heck the government doesn't even need to move all of its programs overseas it just has to push the data over the border in order to circumvent constitutional and statutory safeguards seeking to protect the privacy of Americans. Credit for this particular brainchild goes to the Obama administration, which issued Executive Order 12333, authorizing the collection of Americans' data from surveillance conducted on foreign soil. Using this rationale, the government was able to justify hacking into and collecting an estimated 180 million user records from Google and Yahoo data centers every month because the data travels over international fiber optic cables, keyword fiber optic. The NSA program dubbed Muscular is carried out in concert with British intelligence. No wonder the National Security Agency appeared so unfazed about being forced to shut down its much-publicized metadata program. It had already figured out a way to accomplish the same results, illegally spying on Americans' communications without being shackled by the legislative or judicial branches of the government. Mind you, this metadata collection now being carried out overseas is just a small piece of the surveillance pie. The government and its corporate partners have a veritable arsenal of surveillance programs that will continue to operate largely in secret, carrying out warrantless mass surveillance on hundreds of millions of Americans' phone calls, emails, text messages, and the like beyond the scrutiny of most of Congress and the taxpayers who are forced to fund its multi-billion dollar secret black operations budget. The surveillance state is alive and well and kicking privacy to shreds in America. Having read, having already transformed local police into extensions of military, the Department of Homeland Security, the Justice Department, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation are preparing to turn the nation's police officers into techno-warriors, complete with iris scanners, body scanners, thermal imaging Doppler radar devices, facial recognition programs, license plate readers, cell phone stingray devices, and so much more. Add in the fusion centers, citywide surveillance networks, and by the way, California has seven fusion centers, the most in any other state across the nation. Most states have one or two. California, from the top of the border down to San Diego, seven fusion centers. So you know they've been beta testing in California. That's why we have the most targets. Not, not just about the population. It's about the technology. <laughs> Add in the fusion centers, citywide surveillance networks, data clouds conveniently hosted overseas by Amazon and Microsoft, drones equipped with thermal imaging cameras and biometric databases, and you've got the making of a world in which privacy is reserved exclusively for government agencies. Thus, telephone surveillance by the NSA is the least of our worries. And by the way, fusion centers are local, state, and federal, 
non-government, like private security firms, etc. They share information. <clears throat> As I point out in my book, Battlefield America, The War on American People, just about every branch of the government, from the Postal Service to the Treasury Department, and every agency in between, now has its own surveillance sector, authorized to spy on the American people. This is worse than Stasi East Germany, man. Then, there are the uh, fusion of counterterrorism centers that gather all the data from the smaller government spies, the police, public health officials, transportation, etc., and it makes it accessible for all those in power. And, of course, that doesn't even begin to touch on the complicity of the corporate sector, which buys and sells us from cradle to grave until we have no more data left to mine. Yet, it is not just what we say, where we go, and what we buy that is being tracked. We are being surveilled right down to our genes, thanks to a potent combination of hardware, software, and data collection that scans our biometrics, our faces, irises, voices, genetic, and our gait. Gait means your walk, right? How you walk runs them through computer programs that can break the data down into unique identifiers and then offers them up to the government and its corporate allies for their respective uses. All of those Internet-connected gadgets, we just have to have are setting us up for a brave new world where there is nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. Now, there are still those who insist that they have nothing to hide from the surveillance state and nothing to fear from the police state because they have done nothing wrong. To those sanctimonious few, secure in their delusions, let this be a warning. The danger posed by the American police state applies equally to all of us, lawbreaker and law abider alike, black and white, rich and poor liberal and conservative, blue-collar and white-collar, and other, any other distinction you care to trot out. In an age of too many laws, too many prisons, too many government spies, and too many corporations eager to make a fast buck at the expense of the American taxpayer, there is no safe place and no watertight alibi. We are all guilty of some transgression or another, and eventually we will all be made to suffer the same consequences in the electronic concentration camp that surrounds us now. Sounds pretty good. So he's telling the truth. <clears throat> and just because they don't do the metadata, but you know what they, they showed um, this person, uh, he was uh, this woman, she talked about metadata. So if they can determine where you called, so say you, it's simple, you receive a call from your doctor's office who then tells you to call the an oncologist's office. So just determining those telephone numbers and the length of time, the doctor called the patient, the patient calls the oncologist to set up an appointment. Well, that must mean that that person probably might have cancer. You understand? So you don't have to listen to the conversation or see the text, you know. All you have to do is trace the number to where it belongs. 
this one person, when there was a merger up in Silicon Valley with Cisco and someone, and so they knew what was happening before it happened because the CEO was talking to the CEO of the other company. Then that CEO called the lawyers for the company, and the other CEO called the lawyers. And so if you map the conversations, and then then they were meeting on Sunday at the office because, remember, they can track the locations of where the cell phones are because they have those like you know GPS locators. So that means everybody's in the office over the weekend, the lawyers and the CEOs, et cetera, that must mean there's going to be a merger taking place. So now if you have that insider information, you go and buy stocks. Now you just profited. Not because you heard the conversations, but because due to the metadata of the to and from calls, you could pretty map out what was going, what was going down. So I call the doctor's office and then I call the, or the lawyer or whatever. They know what your moves are going to be, not because they're necessarily listening in to everything, but you can map it based on the numbers and the locations of where the calls to and from. But it's still about privacy, you know? It's still about the Constitution for those of us who still believe in it. And it's not about good versus evil. This is all about right versus wrong. So think about that one. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.